How we doing guys and welcome back to Best Soccer Coaching's Coaches Corner. Uh, today we've got three coaches that I've, I've previously worked for before, three good coaches. We've got Lee McGarity, we've got Adam Stewart and we've got Xander Kareth. What we're going to be doing today guys is we're going to have a wee chilled um, chat, we're going to be talking about coaching experiences, talking about coaching past and inspirations and uh, aspirations as well. So I'm just going to pass you over to the boys and they're going to tell you a wee bit about their coaching experiences and qualifications. Alright, um, how you doing? <laughs> how you doing, Lee? Good? <laughs> yeah, good mate. Um, I so kind of most uh, most of that in the in the kind of female game working that started off at Celtic and, and went into Glasgow City and kind of jumped from from the both of them to be honest, kind of back and forward and with kind of a team environment. Um, obviously doing international stuff with Celtic as well and um, being abroad a few times, so uh, kind of range of kind of re recreational players and, and kind of academy players as well so a kind of good experience of, of both working with the beginner level and, and academy level. Good, good, good. Adam? Hi, hi guys, uh, I'm Adam. Um, I've worked with a couple of teams just now. Uh, I won't work with Morton Academy, working on the South team. Um, top of that, I've worked with a couple of clubs, both here and abroad, so uh, clubs like Celtic, Queen's Park, um, Hearts, St Mirren and abroad I've worked with Juventus a couple of times in Saudi and Kuwait. I've uh, worked with a couple of different groups, both boys, girls, males and females. Uh, so yeah, no, good, to, good to have us. Thanks for having us on. And last but not least, the king himself, Xander Kerr. <laughs> How are you doing? So, uh, some of the guys have had a lot of experience in different environments. So right now, uh, me and Adam have worked together at Morton uh, previously as well. Me and Adam were together out in Kuwait with Juventus. But here, uh, I've had my own teams and things like that and done a lot of sessions all the way from mini kickers all the way to walking football. So uh, I like Spectrum, uh, working with players want to make a living out of the game. Yeah, a career out of it, players just doing it recreationally. So, uh, I've got a good experience uh, with a lot of group, groups of players. So as you can see guys, we've got a, a broad range of coaching experience here. Um, some good, some bad, I'm not going to name anybody with the good and bad here, but I think we'll know ourselves. Um, To be brief for the video, guys, to mention our sponsor today. Our sponsors, K Mac Plasterers, best plasters in Glasgow. Definitely go get them checked out. The links will be in the description. Make sure you check them out, guys. So, first of all, I'm just going to talk a wee bit about um, your favourite coaches and inspirations. So, people like you try to model yourself after. Um, I know Xander tried to model himself after Gascoigne, but that's not really a day with coaching. Um, <laughs> But uh, we talk about our favourite coaches and inspirations um, and we want to model ourselves after. So, on you go, Lee, you can give us the first yeah. one. I mean, I don't know if there's much coaches as well, there's more teams you can look at, which also it's all about, for me, about players rather than the coaches. Obviously, you can only work with the certain players you've got, but obviously, Pep is probably the biggest one you look at where you look at the teams he's had, you know, but yeah, his philosophy and his, his mindset of his, how he place and stuff like that is, is phenomenal but I think you've got to look at his players and the players he's, he's worked with. I think if you look to if you took him into a Celtic team for example or, or whatever then is he going to get, get the same um, answers and stuff like that, the same kind of philosophy as he did at Barcelona and stuff but I think Pep's probably the biggest one because you look at 
it's the way that the players are so confident and so brave and you see what Man City right now, you know, John Stones is a big example of coming from, was it Everton he came from? Yes, Everton, where he was maybe just defending a lot and, and not really playing it from the back and now you look at him, he's, he's probably become one of the best centre-backs in the world, arguably, you know, and pure people debate it, but the fact that he's so brave and confident now to just go, to go and get on the ball, which is it's fantastic and that's how everybody wants to play football, I think now, is, is the kind of pep where everyone talks about you know, playing it from the back and stuff like that and the way attacks, which is, is great. And obviously the, the whole kind of recent thing with not actually having a striker, you know, playing with a kind of false nine and stuff like that has been has been great to watch. So probably Pep is probably the biggest one I've kind of looked at over the last couple of years. And but see, I think it's down to the players. I think you yeah, look at the players he's got, he's, he's unbelievable and, and, and his record has it's been fantastic. Um, I, sorry, I don't know. <laughs> No, for me, like obviously, obviously, these coaches are brilliant. It's great to watch, like on the TV and like listen to stuck about and listen to stories, listen to like, them talk. But for me, I've become more taking an approach eh, based on coaches I've worked with or coaches I've been coached by, um, where they're showing different parts. Different parts to me, like the knowledge of the game's been unbelievable, or the character's been fantastic. Like I really do into the game, and um, so I've kind of taken a lot of, kind of inspiration from those kind of people. More kind of the grassroots level, the guys that do it for the enjoyment, um, and I find it, I find them really interesting to watch and listen to and hear the real enthusiasm. Um, also, look at managers like Brendan Rodgers, Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp, uh, Steven Gerrard, all like unbelievable managers done great things in the game. Um, which so it's great to like look at them as use them as a, as a good example. I like how you sneaked Steven Gerrard in at the end there. I know, I had to get in. <laughs> Especially for this year. Well, Steve, we were talking about Steve Gerrard, we'll definitely got some experience this year from it. Yeah, definitely. And look as well from where he's taking Rangers from. Like, the team is inherited when he first started to the team he's got now. It's mad, it's mad to think that we'll look at games where Nicky Law and Danny Wilson in the back think, oh, we've got a chance here. Because this team would get rolled over by the current Rangers team, so. And on the subject of the Rangers, we'll pass the sales over to Xander. <laughs> well, see, when I think about sort of coaches and things that maybe inspire me, I think in a different way. The point is, a lot of managers, and I mean top top managers, they get jobs and positions due to their sort of past playing career. Whereas, I don't really have a notable playing career. I've not no had for the international cap. So they've no played in Champions Leagues. So I like seeing coaches and managers who maybe it goes against the green a bit that they are they've not got a notable sort of playing career as such and they've earned their they've earned their stripes by working their way up. So like, for example, Marco Rose now over in Germany is he's been managing an under sixteen team, an under eighteen team, worked his way up from reserves to first team, things like that. Uh, even coaches like Michael Beale at Rangers and it's this week as well, Gerard came out and said that Michael Beale's a huge big part of the success and probably doesn't get enough credit. And with Michael Beale as well, he he's put himself out there a lot of time. He, he went over and worked in Brazil. Uh, he's been with Chelsea, he's been with Liverpool at youth level and this is his first uh, big job you could say, uh, where, you know, there's an expectation to go and win. Uh, and it would be easy for clubs to even look at him and even and what didn't exactly work out 
like Ian Castro when he was at Hearts. Ian Castro, it was it was different. It was new, and people didn't like change. People don't like that sort of new method. Uh, and you're, you're always going to get scrutinised for it. But he was brave enough to put himself in that position. He tried. He tried a lot of new things, uh, and people say, "Nah, he's not a good coach, not a good manager, or whatever." But he's at Wolves now. He, he's part of the first team set up at Wolves, and you, you can't deny the success Wolves have had, considering where they were two, three, four years ago. So there, that the people like that probably have been my sort of bigger inspirations. The point is that if you work hard enough and you're good enough, you, there's there's chances at every level of the game. Uh, if you just apply yourself, so probably guys like that. I'm going to obviously it's like again, it's quite different. So we've got like the high level ones we're talking about, like people we've coached with and talking with yourselves, and the like ones that have worked through. I'm kind of mixing the three of them, so I've I've been looking at like Pep and Ferdy and stuff like that. But I'm also taking probably most of my most valuable coaching experiences from my lectures at college. So like like Chris Hendry, David McGarlin, Sean Gallagher, they're the three ones that have helped me get to the coaching I've got today. And it's good to look at like coaches like is it Martindale, that's Livingston manager? Uh, I like look at what he's been able to do with Livingston. And again you're saying not that much a notable playing career, but look at the where he is now and look at the success he's getting and it's it's admirable and it's something that we can look at, like us four as coaches and think, yeah, I can get to that level because as you're saying we're not really Champions League players, but hardly even Sunday League players are for us, maybe except for Lee. But um, we're, we're not that great like playing-wise, but we've got the brain of the coach, um, and it gives us something to look, um, push forward to and look forward with as well. Um, this, we're going to talk about something current just now, so obviously Covid just now and the restrictions, and it's caused a lot of problems for coaching. We were talking about this before we started. Um, Apart from that, what would you say some of your big, biggest coaching difficulties have been? Like, even if it's developing philosophy or whatever. Um, we'll start with Xander this time. So, right. I don't know if it's just a West of Scotland thing, right? But when I started first coaching, maybe like 17, 18, you would, you're half scared to go and put new ideas across to doing something new because you're scared you get maybe criticised, moaned it. And as well, if someone's watching my session, and I don't mean this badly, I think it's just a sort of West of Scotland thing, is that if you try something new, do something different, and other coach is watching or whatever, they're more likely to pick out the bad points than they are the good. So I think the big difficulty as well is sometimes you play it safe, you go, I know this session looks decent, I know it looks great. So you do that instead of putting yourself out there and going, you know, I will get my ideas across, I will try something new. So that's something probably the last year I went, you know what, I'm just going to do what I think and trust myself. But it's not as easy. I found that quite a big difficulty for a long time. As well as that now, right, and I know I'm going to sound like I'm pure old here considering I'm only 22, right, but <laughs> there's more competition to compete with in terms of you need to make your football sessions and your training and things like that more enjoyable than Warzone, more enjoyable than Ultimate Crew, more enjoyable than things like that, more enjoyable than social media. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing as such, these other things, but you need to be wary of that when you're coaching, that players, it might not be that players always want to be there. Players might rather sit in who's playing PlayStation. So you need to consider that when you're coaching. That could be a difficulty. You need to go, I'm in competition here. Football's in competition with other things. 
So that that's down to you. It just sort of be aware of that and make sure what you're producing for these players are better than the other alternatives. That's a good point, actually. It's not just competing with like, sports or like, seeing your pals anymore. Like, kids can see their pals through a PS4 and an Xbox now. Um, and that is quite hard, especially with lockdown. Some people, some kids have got into the routine, they, they'll play, they'll do their homework and then straight on to that PS4 or Xbox or whatever. And it's hard for them to break out of that routine, so that's a good one as well. Uh, Adam? Um, so this is a kind of issue I've kind of found myself mostly when I'm in the west of Scotland or Scotland in general in the UK. Um, every parent's not a coach, apparently. Um, I'm not criticising parents and stuff like that. Like, I know everyone, like, parents do a good job and they support their kids for the most part. Most parents are very helpful. Um, but from, from my work, I'm going to use the word professional here. Uh, but from our professional standpoint, um, from parents coming and criticising everything you do, when you are trying something new or if you are trying something different, something that's never been never been tried before the pub or the, this team, um, if it doesn't work, then the first one's on your back. I mean, I'm not talking about all parents, but for the most part, parents are good, but uh, kind of what I've found uh, across a couple of clubs is, is just resistance. If something doesn't go their way, they're so set in winning straight away, especially from young ages. Um, so if they're not getting results straight away, then um, they're either taking their child to another club or they're taking their child to another coach or whatever. Um, so, yeah, from, from some parents I think, yeah, sometimes it's difficult to get a bit of support. But generally, a lot of parents are very helpful in how they, they're, they're more desperate for their son to enjoy it, or son or daughter, sorry, uh, to enjoy what they're doing and develop rather than win, 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 constantly. I, you found that I've known about a few clubs now. I think Rossville uh, was one of them. They, with, the, with the games, the players would have to stand out to the cage so they would have no influence on the players during the game. Um, and obviously, we've got with, like, coaching sessions and playing as well. So, if the fact that a club's having to do that and get them an insight for this um, age level, then it shows yeah. that you are trying to battle against the parents' coaching as well when really yeah. you're just there to try and help the kids and do your own job. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, Sorry, just just going on that, just like see from working abroad and stuff like that, I've never seen that done. I've never we've never had to say maybe parents don't come to train or don't or stand away for games. I've never seen that before. So something that's kinda of sure I've only seen here. Um so yeah, there we go. Ran over. <laughs> that is a good point though. All four years have been in America in coaching, so we know that it's not like that over there. Obviously yourself and Xander have been over at Q eight. And I can only imagine what it's like there, it's the same, so it's, it is a waste of Scotland problem. Not necessarily a problem, but something that it does build a wee bit of a barrier between the kid and the coach, I feel. Um, and it's something that there's a good relationship there that from both sides it would help make it a lot easier for the kids' growth. Um, Lee, how are you? Yeah, I suppose can I touch on Xander's point, because those two points are probably the main the main kind of distractions within football, I think, you know, the social media and PS4s and Xboxes and parents, those are probably the two biggest because in the day, most kids want to be, be at football, you know what I mean? Most kids want to play football, but I think the biggest one is obviously off the pitch in terms of the kind of, you know, PlayStation, Xbox and social media because they sometimes bring that onto the pitch, you know, whether that is, they said this behind my back, whatever on social media and stuff like that, so that kind of stuff. When you get up to a kind of older age group, obviously, the, uh, you know, some players might, 
might do that. Um, might talk to other clubs, might talk to other people and stuff like that. And that, that kind of thing. So trying to get that, and I said philosophy is that, and he keeps saying philosophy being a word for this next hour. But um, having that philosophy where all the all the players are on the same page, they're all in the same mentality, where they want to be training, they know the they know the values of the team, they know the values of of themselves, and that lets them know what to expect when they get the training. And that means hopefully all that stuff off the pitch just when the parents drop them off when they come away from the PlayStation or social media or their, or their phone, they, they know what's expected of them. And I think that's so important, you know, especially now obviously with obviously what we've what we've kinda of went through the last couple of years, or well, this the last year anyway, with um, you know, not actually being able to train and being able to out, be out in the pitch, I think a lot of especially me anyways as a coach I've, I've kinda of noticed that, you know, trying to get that that mentality right with the team, making sure that the, the, the core values are there and everything there, so that means when we get back in the pitch, social media is not going to distract them. You know, the PlayStation is not going to distract, uh, distract them. Parents shouldn't distract them either. You know, it's all about it's all about getting them on the pitch and hopefully having that, I say that kind of core group where you're working as a team and not individuals and you're not getting distracted by those little things. Much say you're always going to get it. You're always going to be one or two players that they may get distracted by their parents or their, or their social media, but you can try and get them. I that's like I think see like just to sum up kind of like distractions in general. Um like I found especially early on in my coaching career, um, was other coaches um coming into sessions and you're supposed to be doing your role and this type of thing and you would find there were some coaches that were quite overpowering. Um you maybe like you'd have a wee bit more experience, but it's something certainly that I've done with the company and coaching by like maybe younger coaches is you let them come in and do their part as well. But it's something I thought when I was coming in as a coach, as you felt, I felt very overpowered. Like I wasn't getting to grow as a coach because some coaches felt they had this sense of entitlement because they've been coaching for, what, 10, 15 years. Um, and also, you're talking about the distractions. Again, like that's a big thing, especially because most of us coach youth players. When you're coming on to it, I feel like players nowadays feel like they've got this, they've got an image. Community up told. So yeah. obviously like a social status thing as well. Um so if they're coming into a team session and don't know, say we're doing like a switch of play or something like that and someone doesn't want to try and do that switch or make a certain pass in case I'm getting embarrassed in front of their, their pals and they don't want to be like outcasted or slagged. Um and I feel that like it's building a social status around not just like as a player but as yourself now and I think a lot of kids feel like that. Because I know certainly when we play football, when we, when we were younger, we just went to play football, play football. It was not to do like what everybody else thought it was, it was just we went to go play football because we loved the game. And I think that's kind of missing just now from some players. Aye, it's kind of it's lost a wee bit and I think it's something that really needs to come back. Like you can, Obviously we see this Scotland success, but that's for guys for our age. Like They've not grown up with the social media age. So you can only imagine what's going to come in the 10, 15 years time when it's a social media stage if we're going to produce this talent because they're too busy thinking about what other people think of them type of thing. Yeah, I guess. Um, so just to kind of have a point on that, obviously you've got all these, I don't like to count sound crimson here, but obviously influencers and stuff like that, I think that's obviously a huge part of it, off the pitch and obviously yeah, on the pitch as well you've got all these influencers, but I think the most important thing, the message is for youth players these days is you should influence you, you know, no one else should. 
influence you and what and what you want. You just do what you want, basically. You know, you go and be the person you want to be. You wake up and be you. Don't wake up and, and go through social media and go, oh, look, that person's away in Dubai, that person's in America, I want to be them. You know, and they should wake up and I think that's, I mean, I've done it myself, you know, I've set, woke up and went through my phone and stuff like that, but I think it's so important for youth players these days to try and, and try and think about themselves more than, as you said, think about what other people are going to think, just, you've just got to kind of be yourself almost, and that sounds so cringy, but, you know what I mean, you've got to just think of yourself these days as youth players, because that's, that's how the world is. That's a good point. By the way, you, you must have had a dictionary or something like that before you came on to your No coaching at all, I've been on my podcast, mate, loving it. <laughs> um, we're going to talk a bit about coaching aspirations. So that can be within the next month or the next year, or I would say after COVID's away, but I don't know when that's going to be. So mm-hmm. coaching aspirations, you maybe give me a five-year plan of what you would like to do. So go back to lead. I so I'm currently I've done my UEFA B license in terms of the course. I just need to do the, the assessment. So for me, within obviously the next year, obviously it's the in-person assessment you need to do. So I'd like to get that done hopefully this year. Again, COVID's pushed it back, but hopefully get it done this year and then. And that sets you up. I think I think it's a lot more recognised. You know, in terms of working abroad, and I think that's most coaches, especially now, obviously with being stuck stuck in Scotland for the last year. I think it's so. Like most coaches want to be abroad, so for me, moving abroad and, and working working in a club abroad would would be the goal. Um, I'll start with I'll start in the girls' side just now, and in, in the girls' academy, I would like to eventually get into the boys' side academy. I don't know if that would be something within the next couple of years, or if it'd be um, within the next, you know, next year or so, short term. But um, I think the most important thing is get your B license, and then hopefully, so you get abroad, and then work as work in some sort of club, envi- club environment abroad. Even if it was a kind of university setup or something as well, it'd be, be interesting. But but yeah, I think so much to everybody's standard. But I think most most coaches now are going to be thinking abroad and and try to get try and get something abroad because it's. Everyone, everyone knows there's not not a huge amount of opportunities in Scotland. So, um, yeah, probably coaching a club abroad would be my aspirations for the next couple of years, especially. Can I, that's the kind kind of links back to what we we're talking about before about the race to Scotland type of thing. Like yeah. obviously yeah. we've seen what it's been like abroad for the four years, so mm-hmm. it's obviously mm-hmm. a lot more appealing for us to go and do it over there because you get more chances. Uh, Adam. Yeah, I'm going to steal Lee's answer. Um, hopefully we can finish the B licence this year. Um, obviously we just need to do the practical and the assessment now, so just COVID permitting, just wait for that to start back up. Um, obviously before all this I was working abroad, um, so I would like to get back out there. Um, I may not to the Middle East this time, maybe I'll try and look somewhere else. Um, hopefully America, uh, I've been looking at Canada, Australia, but, um, but right now immediately try and finish the B licence. Um, and then look to see what kind of opportunities there are. Um, I definitely like to to try and get something about um, something full time, um, and just try a different lifestyle as well. Um, because for me, it's not just about looking for the ideal job; it's looking for you know somewhere I can live, somewhere I can enjoy myself, somewhere I can have life basically. So I know it's a bit philosophical, but sorry, I a hundred percent. I think that's what we're all looking for. We're, we're all looking a bit pale now, so I think we all need oh, to you, be you, You're just missing the sunnies, that's all. 
Aye, I'm just, that's how I've got this light in front of me. It's trying to give me some of these hand right now. A wee view, view of Eerie. <laughs> and talk about suntans. We've got Alexander now. <laughs> to be fair, I'm looking for the thing I look alright. I don't know if I'm going to do it. I'm wild, but I hate it. Do you think they're not going to think that? Ah, but he's... So, hey, my aspiration is similar to guys. He's just doing the, the UFWE, but Covid's delayed it massively. Um, so after that, I ideally I'd like to go about to the point is for now I've no real sort of commitments to the point. I've no got a mortgage here. I've no, you know, do you know what I'm saying? I could I could move now before it's probably too late and life gets in the way. Uh, so I'd like to move abroad, but ideally in the long term I don't want to. I want to work first team, and I don't know if I'd be happy just being a first team coach, assistant at F. I like pressured situations. I enjoy, you know, the having to win, having to get better. I'm not the point is you're doing it for the enjoyment. You're doing it because you need to. You need to win because there's a there's a responsibility. So probably abroad it would be the best option because similar to what I was saying earlier with coaches you look up to in Britain, it's very rare to get that opportunity without a recognised playing career. So probably abroad uh, for now anyway, and then hopefully long term. Can even even here, may probably work in a first team environment, whatever level that's at. I'm happy as long as I've got food on the table. May money's not a huge thing to me. Obviously, I need money to get by, but that that bit for me, ideally work abroad or in a first team environment, even better do both. So yeah, as some quite similar myself, I want to try and get first team level, but obviously no five years time that's going to be quite tough but again like everybody else I want to try and move abroad and I want to try and build like my coaching up and just take all these different experiences and try like yourself get to that first team aspect it doesn't need to be the manager but as long as I'm in and involved within the first team and it's something that I would be really interested in like when I was talking to Fran last week he started off as a, um, a cleaner and then became the translator and then developed into the coaching. So even if it's like doing that type of, not exactly that type of route, some terrible clown, but even if it is that route of just getting your nice wee way in, doing the coaching, being around it, and then getting asked to go up, then it's something that would be really interested in. Um, and obviously try grow best soccer coaching as big as possible. Um, again, money's not money's not everything. It's just something that you know, I would like to put into to show I've been able to do that and I've been able to work hard and make it big as possible. When you were talking about like Fran there, like how he worked his way up football football's got a funny way uh, most opportunities and positions I've had I fell into it. I've not applied to it, I've not it's knowing people. Um mm-hmm. so when that networking's a huge thing football that's why you you need to put yourself out there and get yourself recognised in a way. Uh, talk to people, ask people questions because football is a bit like a village. Everyone knows everyone, so you need to make sure that you're you're getting known. Especially like that's how I fell into a lot of positions. So that's something that people probably need to consider as well. It's not just about what you know, it's who you know, as the, as the saying goes. Manager being known in the right way, being known as being known as a good person. Uh, that's very important. Um, like for example, like when we're looking at a great job last year, when we're looking for somebody else to come in, uh, Xander was one of the first people I thought. Of, I know Xander, like he's a good guy. Well, 
sometimes. Um, you see that? That's why when you're straight away, then you'd be a great person for it as well, not just to the coaching side. Aye, that's, that, that's something like, again, that's happened myself. Like, it was actually, it was Adam, you said to me about the gift look, when I went in the gift look, it was all about who you know and trying to network. And you need to have that type of open personality that you can be able to speak to people and people will happily recommend you as well. Uh, last thing before we finish up, we're going to be talking about coaching and coaching stories, right? So for everybody watching and listening, they can have a giggle with this and you can give us your best coaching stories, right? So I think we'll save Xander the last, right? We'll go give Xander the last one. Um, and actually, Adam, Adam, you can give the first one if you get any coaching stories or anything like what he gives. Come back to this, but I wonder if Sanders going to mention a famous Canadian player who's never mentioned yeah. that before. Nah, so it might be. I'll, I'll go for the worst story that I can actually link to coaching, right? Was we were doing a session one time, I just started with a team, my first session, and you know that way you need to get yourself known. And if you want a tempo in your session, you need to be enthusiastic and things like that. So I, w- I was doing like a sort of possession based game, but the ball would, I would always play the ball in. So I got one foot on top of the ball. And firing them in every time ball got a place. Yes, yes. Got one foot in the ball the whole time. One of the other players, another pitch, balls went over. And they pass it over. And I'm that focused on the tempo. Honestly, it was, I've got one foot on top of the ball with my right foot. And the balls came over. And I've tried to like stop the ball with my soul on my left foot. So I'm in the tap of these two foot boys. And needless to say what happened. In front of the whole session, my first session with this team. Right. <laughs> Lying right in my ass, and it was, it was one of the ones of players probably, and, and I, I try to make it relevant and such. Players gave a laugh and things like that, but then he saw, you know, he he doesn't take himself too serious. You know, the point is, I, I was I was I was showed that I've got a fun side to me and things like that. Right after, you know, say if we went back to normal, but it showed a bit of my character as well. You know, I like a laugh, I like a joke, and you know, I have the ability to sort of laugh at myself. So, but that was that was a good genie to share that Honestly, it was a big bruise. So for about three days. Ah, you're a big softy, but that's how. I know. <laughs> right, Lee, you got a story for this? Ah, uh, well, mine isn't going to be as maybe not as positive. I don't know if that's a positive or negative uh, story, Xander, but I would think it's a positive. <laughs> Never really know, Xander. Mine is more of a kind of learning one where, um, again, Talking about that kind of team, team together and stuff like that. I was, um, I won't say the, the club or anything, but I was doing a warm up. I was making it was a match day, and I was doing out in the warm up on the pitch and put the team up and stuff like that in the junior room. And um, so the girls seen the team and everything and, and stuff like that. So everything was fine. I went out, walked out, started putting out cones for the for the warm up and stuff like that. Everything was everything was good. I thought, you know, I remember playing playing one of our rivals as well. So kind of looking forward to the game. And before you know it, this parent walks on the pitch. Actually, going back to Adam's also point with parents being the distraction or whatever the kind of restriction. But a parent walks on the pitch and starts saying, "Why is why is my my kid not playing?" I'm thinking they've not even come out of yet. I'm putting down cones. How do you know that she's she's not playing? So stay away. I'm like, well, how do you even know? And she's like, oh, she texts me, telling me I'm not I'm not starting. I'm like, all right, so. Kind of asking questions straight away, but I was relatively young at the time. Um, kind of starting off my coaching career, and he's he's kind of having a back and forward, having a go and stuff like that. So, um, 
you know, he's he's basically in my face, like saying why why should not start and why should not playing kind of thing. So I'm trying to set up a warm up. You know, I'm trying to try to put down cones, trying to put out a rondo box. You know what I mean? Getting absolute eyes build out. But um, but I think that that kind of story for me was again going back, learning from that is having that team togetherness where it doesn't matter if if you're starting or not. I mean, granted, also that parent was was maybe a little bit a little bit different, but. I think if you have that togetherness within the team, it doesn't really matter about who is um, who's starting, who's playing, or whatever. But that was a maybe not the most interesting story, but I think a story that you learn from a lot as a, a kind of younger coach, where you're you're thinking, what do I say in this situation? What do I do? Do I do I be completely honest with with them, or do I just say, don't talk to me right now and talk to me on Tuesday, which is probably what I should have done. But at the time, I was honest with them, which she probably didn't like. Um, I basically told them why she wasn't starting, but um, but yeah, I think the most important thing is you can learn from from stories. You don't, as an experience at the end of the day, it's not a, it's not you don't live and then that's it. It happens. I'm not absolutely wish now, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, a quite a good good life lesson that you don't just react to things straight away. You're always kind of proactive in terms of. You're always ready for something. You're always ready for. Also, I wasn't ready for that, but I'm ready for it now. You know, you're always proactive. You know, you never react to things. You never react to it in a negative way either. But, um, but yeah, having that kind of team togetherness is something that, that made me really important, important thing for me now. That's good because that's obviously that can be used as a learning cover as well. So you can yeah. go, as you said, how do I deal with this in a different situation? Obviously, you deal with that a lot different now than you would have back then. Yeah. Right, Adam, give us, right. give us a, I hope this is a good one, we've been waiting. Oh, it's rubbish. Um, I probably received <laughs> the world's um, biggest backhanded compliment ever, to be honest. Um, so, I was thinking I was about 20 at the time. Um, I was assistant coach of the football team, the head coach was away on holiday or something, so I was left in charge of the game. So, I had a bit sorted, shut and tie on, I didn't have a shut and tie on. Um, <laughs> had a bit sorted, warm up and all that out, um, team, team talk uh, for game. Uh, playing against strangers as well, so it was a kind of big game. Kind of, uh, I think at the time we were challenging for promotion. Um, anyway, set the team up, pull the game, go through the team talk, no problems. Uh, well, I thought there was no problems anyway. Uh, half time, 3 0 down. Um, absolute calamity. Um, so, half time, we've got in the talk about it, we managed to change it up. Um, I think, I can't remember what we brought it back to, I think it was either 3 each or 3 2. Can't mind. Um, but anyway, after the game, I had one of the girls come up to me. It's like, yeah, before the game, your team talked a wee bit off. I was like, no, nah, yeah, I can't realise that looking back now. She was like, I but you said it with such conviction. I just thought it was true, so I just went to you. So I was like, oh, there we go. I mean, I can lie my way out of situations as a good. <laughs> and you still do that to this day? Sorry? You still do that to this day? You don't know what you're talking about with your coaching, but you still, as much conviction, it still works. Five years later, I can tell you blue's green and absolutely <laughs> enough conviction, believe me. As long as you say this season and I'll be happy, I actually. <laughs> nah, nah, you're alright. <laughs> <laughs> one of the ones that sticks in my mind was um, one of my first sessions and one of the big, big roles I'd had um, so far. And we were, I was setting out this um, switch of play and I've taken the, I've went to do the demonstration and I went like this, what do you do? taking the back foot and I went to hang it about 20-30 yards 
but it was icy and it was snowing, so I went to do that and I went right up in the air and I've cracked my head off the um, the ice and I was lying there for about a good 10-15 minutes and I had to go sit at the side and my assistant had to take the rest of the session because I'd sit there with near enough a concussion on my first session. So basically that's that's, still, that's a story to make sure that if you're going to make a pass on ice, make sure it's somebody good that's making the pass and not somebody like me. <laughs> that's why you never do yourself, pass it on, pass it back. That's it, give it to someone else. It's never, it's never your fault, that's the main thing. <laughs> but that's us for today guys so but I want to say a thank you to Lee, Adam and Zander for coming on um, all their coaching stuff is going to be linked in as, um, below so you can go check them out and, and if you want to do any sessions with them you can give them a bell but thanks guys for coming on and that's us for today cheers again guys, yeah, guys. No, okay. cheers. see you later on mate